Welcome, I'm your host Isabella, and this is Isabella Reads. For this episode, I will be reading The Prince and the Princess by Marianna Mayer. Chapter 1 In a land far away, a long time ago, autumn had set in. The green of summer faded, changing leaves to yellow, orange, scarlet, and brown. Each golden afternoon turned cold by nightfall when chilly winds blew in from the north, bringing a promise of winter. At twilight, as the fleeting light cast long gray shadows, an old king sat upon his throne, lost in thought. Gazing out the castle windows past the vast domain spreading before him, he shivered. Drawing his royal robes still closer, the king turned back to look at his son. The young prince sat nearby, arms folded, legs crossed, patiently waiting for his father to resume speaking. They had been discussing the king's fondest subject of late, the prince's future, which naturally included the future of the kingdom. At last, the king said, Some day you'll be ruler of this land. Already my hair is streaked with gray, my steps are slow, and each passing day I grow more weary. Soon, death will beckon like an old friend, and I'll leave this life to follow. The king did not fear death, for he had lived with honor, and his deeds caused him no shame. Yet, while he lived, he wished to see his son marry. Indeed, it was his dearest wish. Only then did the king feel he would rest easy. Surely, continued the father, there is some fine young maiden you might marry. It's time you choose a wife. The sooner you're wed, the happier I'll be. The prince smiled and shook his head, saying, Father, surely it will be many years before the ruling of the kingdom will pass to me. But just the same, believe me, I'd gladly marry if there were a maiden that I loved. As yet, she has not crossed my path, but I'll find her. Sometimes, in my dreams, I've seen her, and I know one day we'll meet. The king, who had been listening carefully, now drew from a wooden chest a key of gold. Placing it in his son's hands, he said, Go, then, to the far side of the castle, to the round stone tower. Climb the stairs to the very top, and there you'll find a locked room. This key will open the lock. Perhaps what you discover there will help you. Though the prince had never been in the tower and could not imagine what he might find, he did as his father asked. Once inside, he found a spiral staircase that led him up to a heavy black oak door, cleverly carved to look like foliage. Clusters of ivy and tendrils of clematis covered its surface and entwined the gilt handle and latch. Looking at it, the prince imagined that behind such a door anything might be waiting. Intrigued, he fitted the key to the lock. It turned with difficulty but opened at last. One rusty hinge cracked and broke as he pushed the door open. And then suddenly he was inside a magnificent I'm sorry, a magnificent circular room. But it was unlike any room he had ever seen before, for it appeared as nothing so much as a wondrous forest glade in the land of enchantment. 
He took a step and saw he walked upon not a carpet, but a lawn of closely cropped meadow grass, here and there scattered with delicate wildflowers of palest blue and white. Overhead, a ceiling of heavenly stars, small and sparkling, were flung open upon a moonlit sky of iridescent blue. The surrounding walls were so shadowy and indistinct as to seem invisible, and the twelve tall stained glass windows, set into the walls in frames of gold, looked as if they were suspended in thin air. Through the colored glass, the last rays of afternoon light streamed in, causing a myriad of rich hues to glow and shimmer with dazzling vibrancy. But radiant color was not all, for each glass panel held an exquisite, life-sized likeness of a princess, and beneath each frame was a gold nameplate. The Princess Marina, the Princess Regina, the Princess Estanza, and so on, each princess more beautiful than the last. And so my father has sent me here to choose a bride from among these royal beauties, thought the prince. Indeed, if a man were to travel the world over, he would not find more beautiful princesses. Pausing, he wondered, why is it then that I cannot choose? And then, as the princess studied the images, the figures began to make a startling change. Slowly, almost imperceptibly, the figures grew more and more real, until finally the images seemed like mirrors or reflections of living, breathing girls. What's more, each lovely princess suddenly looked directly at him and smiled. In a moment, he thought, they will step from the glass and speak. Astonished, he turned to look again at each and every one. It was then that he caught sight of another window. He had missed it at first, and no wonder for the last window, the thirteenth, was covered in a black drape. Without hesitating, he went forward and pulled away the covering. The drape fell to the floor, revealing the last princess. Eagerly, he looked at her, and as he stared, a sense of recognition spread over him like a great and powerful sea. Here was the princess he had dreamed of. He must know her name. Tearing his eyes away, he searched beneath the frame for the nameplate. It had been removed. Looking back at her, he felt his heart sink, for he saw what he had missed in the first excitement of recognizing her. Unlike the others, her image did not come to life. Indeed, her eyes were closed. Everything, her pale white skin, her sad expression, the broken lilies at her feet, indicated that this maiden no longer lived. But that could not be true, he told himself. There must be some other explanation. He must find the answer to this mystery. And in the silence of the tower, he spoke out. This maiden, if she will have me, shall be my bride. I swear on my life, if I should live to be one hundred, I'll love no other. No sooner did he speak this vow than the other princesses altogether shuddered and breathed a sigh for him. There was a rumble of thunder. All at once, the sky grew dark, and outside rain began to fall. A tear, or was it just a raindrop, streaked down the nameless princess's cheek. There was a crack of lightning, and for an instant, the sky lit up. Suddenly, the twelve pretty princesses resumed their lifeless form. Still, lovely, they were once again nothing more than stained glass images.
The prince left the tower and returned to his father to tell him what had taken place. The old king listened, but he grew worried when his son repeated the vow he had made. Sadly, the king shook his head, saying, You've chosen the impossible, my son. You should never have uncovered that panel. The maiden you have vowed to love is the princess of the Iron Castle. In choosing her, you'll be hurled from the sure and safe road of life to follow a perilous destiny. You see, my son, some time ago, the princess fell victim to a most powerful and wicked sorcerer. When she refused to marry him, he sought revenge against her. One night, while those in the castle slept, he cast an evil spell. Now, the princess and her subjects are under the sorcerer's power, for he has turned them all to stone. Make no mistake, you'll not be the first brave young man to try to free her. Indeed, many have attempted it, but all have met the same fate. They too have been turned to stone. Nevertheless, your vow cannot be broken. You have given your solemn word, and regardless of my warning, I see that your mind and heart are made up. Go then, risk your fate for love of this poor maiden. I only pray for that one day you will return unharmed. That was The Prince and the Princess by Marianna Mayer, Chapter 1. I will be posting every Monday and or Thursday. Thank you for listening, and please tune in on next week's episode. Bye!